we teach families, this is one of the number one things you need to teach kids. Money's not good or bad. Money is a tool. In fact, money is a store of value. That's all it is. You can use it for incredible things. You can also use it for terrible things. So money, you know, I think the big poverty mindset is money's bad. Profit is bad. I got to blow it now because it'll be gone tomorrow. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Scott Donnell, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here. Man, I'm excited about this. Uh, you and I first connected at an event, what was it, maybe not quite a year ago, mm-hmm. and we had a great dinner. We had Hell Elrod there, and we just sitting outside chatting for hours, and I was like, dude, this guy's this guy's cool. And then uh, fate would have it. We ended up in the same place here in Jacksonville. Yep. And uh, so let's dig into it. So let's I know it. you as like the like world expert on like kids literacy, uh, financial literacy specifically. Uh, I know you're the guy that's taught what, 6 million kids, something like that. Crazy and like counting. That. That's yeah, right. And counting like financial stuff. This is crazy. We're going to dig into all that in your story. I know you're a tech guy. I know you understand more about tech than I've, uh, will ever know, but tell me like, that's who you are. Who was Scott Donnell before Oof. all that? Man. Yeah. I was actually going to go into, uh, I had seven majors in college did you really yeah i uh i was like accounting and then brain surgeon because my uncle's the head pediatric surgeon at mayo (laughs) and then it was communications theology i was going to be a youth pastor i did that business and then my senior year i got written in as student body president didn't even run the whole student body at whitworth just wrote my name in (laughs) And I was an RA, right? Like I did a bunch of campus events and, you know, outgoing. And so the president, Bill Robinson, sat me down. He's like, you need to do this. You'd crush. You need to do this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then the next day, the theology department brought me and they're like, we're booting you from the Bible program. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they said, probably the most freeing comment of my whole life. Said, you're not a pastor. Everyone here knows it. We know that you're an entrepreneur that's your way to make impact in the world. But is there a difference? Well, that's the thing. (laughs) They said, that's your ministry. That's how you can help people. Mm. And then they said this, they said in about 30 years, you're gonna come back and run this university and we'd be honored to work for you. Mm. Think about that, 21 year old. Yeah. Changed my life. That's cool. So then I went right off into the entrepreneurial world and never looked back. Here we are. All right, so I wanna get, obviously we wanna get to where you're at today with Gravy Stack, but I know you had a number of businesses some successful ones, maybe some not so successful. So let's walk oh, yeah. through that. What was your first kind of entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, well, I mean, my first business was eight years old. I've been doing this my whole life. Didn't realize I was one, but yeah, I was selling bead gecko keychains at eight years old. Ooh, I remember those. Making keychains. How old are you? 37. Okay, yeah, we're about the same. I'm 38. Yeah. So we, yeah, f- third grade. Yeah. And then I'd hired all my buddies in school to make the keychains for me. I'd sell them door to door. And after about three weeks, no one was going to lunch or recess. Everybody was just making my keychain. <laughs> and the principal found out and he suspended me. Oh, funny. <laughs> so my supply line got cut and I went home. I thought I was going to be uh, ripped a new one. And instead of punishing me, my dad took me out for a steak dinner. Mm. He's like, do that for the rest of your life. So 
Were your parents entrepreneurs? I come from four generations of uh, really, really successful entrepreneurs that never passed on a dime. Mm. And I couldn't be more thankful. Mm. So my dad and my grandpa built Interwest Bank, number one small business bank in America, about 90 branches, wow. sold it to Wells for 1.2 billion. My grandpa was Ronald Reagan's bank chair, wow. Barney Beeksma. So yeah, long line of rock stars. Yeah. But their goal was, we're gonna teach you to fish, not give you everything. And that's what we actually train on, yeah. is like, hey, your kids need heritage, not inheritance. They Ooh, need training. Can you, I love that line. Can you say that again? Heritage? Your kids need heritage, not inheritance. What's the difference? Or what is heritage to you? Yeah, heritage is a last name that means something. Mm. It's being prepared. So I, I believe that it's more about what we leave in our kids than to them, right? Like if you study the generational wealth transfer, yeah. what happens with lottery ticket kids, like it's a nightmare. 90% of generational wealth is gone by the grandkids. Wow. But if you look under that number, which is what I care about, divorce, estrangement, ripped apart relationships, addiction, drugs and alcohol, mental health issues. Kids are getting, even when they become adults, they're getting things that they weren't prepared for. It's killing their value creation drive. So they either blow it, yep. they either give it away, they don't feel qualified for it. It's like giving kids participation trophies. They know they didn't earn it. And so that's what rips apart families more than almost anything else. So heritage is the values of your family that you pass on, what it means to have your last name. That's what we care about. Do you think money makes you more susceptible to divorce and just being a dirtbag, like in general? <laughs> like, is there, is there a correlation here between well, the wealth yeah, you get? Because there's dirtbag, like broke people, and then there's dirtbag rich people. But yeah. is there a correlation between wealth and being a dirtbag? Yeah, money just makes you more of who you already were. Yeah. It's basically like a magnifying glass for being an idiot yeah. or awesome. <laughs> we teach families, this is one of the number one things you need to teach kids. Money's not good or bad. Money is a tool. Yeah. In fact, money is a store of value. That's all it is. You can use it for incredible things. You can also use it for terrible things. Yeah. So money, you know, I think the big poverty mindset is money's bad. Yeah. Profit is bad. I gotta blow it now because it'll be gone tomorrow. Yep. Right, and especially when you look at kids, you know, this is my life, is working with millions of families. Kids, they have a bad view of money. Yeah. We did a huge study when we started Gravy Stack. Money was uh, the biggest fight in the home that kids saw. Yeah. So, they, so when we interviewed the parents, the parents were like, yeah, we have no roadmap for teaching money skills. We got nothing here. It's like, we'll do allowance, which is terrible. Mm -hmm. We'll get them a bank account when they hit puberty. And maybe we'll do a lemonade stand. Like that's all they know. Yeah, and to their... It may not an excuse, but yeah, they don't know any better. It's not like they're experts. So they were never like, taught. Yeah, it's not people complain about like, why don't they teach financial literacy in high schools? Because the teachers don't have financial literacy either. They don't know it. <laughs> yeah, so. And, and here's the problem. You, you, you can't homework money. Yeah. You can't just give kids like a, a sheet of paper. It's like debits, credits. Now you can budget for the rest of your life. Yeah. Or you and I play Monopoly one time. All of a sudden we're real estate moguls, really? <laughs> well, you are, but. <laughs> I'm working you, on it. You don't, that's not how you learn yeah. it. You have to make and manage real money. Yeah. You have to feel the pinch of spending. Yeah. You have to learn how hard it is to earn by yeah. creating value for other people, solving problems, getting wants and needs met. Kids need to learn that at an early age and they mm -hmm. just don't. So these kids, when we interviewed them, they said, yeah, money's a, it's the biggest fight in our home. I don't wanna talk about money. Mm. So they hear it, you know, yeah. sex and money. Yep. The kids don't hear about the first one, that's in the bedroom. Yep. But they hear money stuff all the time. All Parents the time. arguing over bills. Money doesn't grow on trees. You know how much this costs? We can't afford this. Yep. 
you know how hard I worked to get you guys this and you just took it for granted. Yeah. They hear that stuff, man. They see it everywhere. They, so they're like, constantly. forget it. Yeah. And money's got a very negative connotation. I know growing up for me, people with money were considered bad. And part of that's from movies and part of it's just from my family and some of its ego and jealousy and all that. But yeah, the richer you are, probably the worst person you are. Mm. And so we don't talk about money. We don't like people who have money and we are never going to have money. It's just like you just accept that fact when you're growing up in poverty mentality. Yeah, it's the haves and have nots. Yeah. I, I think it's a really big issue because if you don't talk about money, you know, we have these money combos yeah. that we really want families to have in the home. If you don't talk about it, they're gonna get the bad habits. Yep. Like they're gonna go into debt. Yeah. They're gonna make terrible decisions. You know, the stats are crazy. Like 41% of Gen Z right now thinks they'll never own a home. Wow. 67%, this one scares me. 67% think that we are in late stage capitalism. Like this train's gonna it's end. Going over soon, yeah. It's over. Yeah. Like there's no way we can get the compounded return of our parents and great grandparents all the way back. How does the S&P go from 3,500 to 30,000 in the next 30, 40 years? Yeah. They don't believe it. So they think that social security's done. Yep. They think that their retirements, they're never gonna happen. So then they say, okay, forget it. I'm not gonna invest. Yep. I'm gonna live for today. I'm gonna be an experience-driven millennial or Gen Zer. I'm just gonna like live for the moment and be happy today. And you and I both know that if you don't plan for the future, your future's gonna suck. Yeah. So this is a huge battle we're fighting. Like it's, they're seeing two pan, you know, a pandemic and two recessions and in a matter of a decade. And they're like, oh, this is crazy. I don't trust yeah. this. Yeah. How much of the, you know, young people today, the Gen Zers and, and others, there's definitely like a socialist sort of leaning to it. There's mm -hmm. a lot of, anti how much of that just because they're young and like 30 years ago were the young people also the same way? We just grew out of that? Or <laughs> yeah. is there a cultural thing happening that they're going to take it with them? What's your thought? Yeah, I, th I think it's moving to cultural. Yeah. You know, we all had, this is my favorite quote from Winston Churchill. You ever heard this one? Mm -hmm. He who is young and not a liberal has no heart. He who is old and not a conservative has no brain. <laughs> one of cool. the best quotes That's so good. from Churchill. But I think everybody has that like bleeding heart childhood. Like yeah. young, you're in college, you're trying to figure out mm -hmm. all the, the philosophy and you're learning about socialism, you're learning about Marxism, you're learning about communism, you're learning about all these things. And you want to, you know, test the boundaries and really ask all the questions. Yeah. And then you get a job and then you pay taxes and then you get a house and you get married and you have kids and you're like, oh, okay, here's how the world works. But I think today, a lot of young people, I mean, it's the least invested generation. It pro rata. Like if you look at yeah. that age group based on us at that age and Gen X at that age and baby boomers at that age, they just don't want to do it. And we did a deep study into like really why is that happening? One of the biggest things is there's a ton of social media accounts that are growing like fast, that are like pump and dump, day trading, yeah, stocks, yeah. crypto, get rich quick stuff. Yep. And they always lose. Yeah. And so you, you know, the problem is not that you get an 18 year old kid that loses 500 bucks. The problem is when that kid says, oh, it's all bad. Yep. I don't trust any investing. I don't trust the market. I don't trust real estate. I don't trust a diversified portfolio or ETFs or whole life or anything. It's all crock. Yep. That's because the problem. It's so noisy today. There's this way, there's there's 10 times, probably a hundred times more financial products out there today than there probably was 20 years ago. Yeah. When we were younger. Yeah. And so when you hear, yeah, like if, there's a million things you could do. So how do you trust any of it? So they shut down, they just don't yeah. do any of it. And then compound it with instant gratification yep. everywhere. Yeah. You got Amazon Prime. Yep. 
You got social media at your fingertips. There's yeah. no more waiting for the nightly news. Yeah. I'm going to go order my Uber Eats to get my food here. Like I ordered Uber Eats earlier today. It was two little breakfast burritos and it was $90 by the time <laughs> I was done. It was only 13 for the breakfast burrito. So 13 and 13. And then it was 90 total with the tip and with the tax and with the driving fee and with the other fee and the other fee. And I'm like, this is normal for most people. They just like order food on yeah. demand because they're hungry. We they spend $90. Dude, <laughs> we are beating the delayed gratification out of our children. Oh, Like in droves. Everything is about at your fingertips when you want it right yeah. now. Yeah. And I think that that's something that parents need to really double take at. So I want to ask you that question is what are you doing? And then we'll get back to your story. But what are you doing in your family to try to foster delayed gratification. But before we do, I do want to throw in this week's show sponsor. So one thing we've done on the show is 100% of the ad revenue for every show goes to a charity of your choosing. Uh, so where should we throw all the money from this week's show? Let's scholarship kids. Scholarship for, kids. For, for financial literacy. For gravy stuff. Yeah, we started a giving love fund. Wow, we wow. put it all into helping urban families, inner city kids that can't afford gravy stack, just get in there. Do gigs, learn how to earn, save, spend, share, invest. Like, let's go. We'll I pay for it. it. We're raising it. millions in that account just to help families. Dude, I love that. All right, we're gonna send it there. And uh, with that said, here's the ad. Hey, so I do not like paying taxes. I also don't like ending up in federal prison. So my options are either A, I pay taxes and complain. I don't pay tax, I go to prison. Or third, C, I invest in real estate heavily. And because of some loopholes in the government, they allow us to, I cannot pay taxes. I haven't paid taxes in years and years and years. And the cool thing is you can do that as a passive investor as well. Now, there are a lot of weird rules and guidelines that you need to follow. And so to help make sense of that, how that all works, I put together a white paper on how the rich pay no and low taxes. You can get it right now at odcfund.com slash tax. Again, that's odcfund.com slash tax. Check it out. Back to Scott. All right. So what are you doing in your life right now to help your kids experience more delayed gratification and to flex that muscle? Yeah. I mean, I can unpack this for hours, but... Mm -hmm. Well, good. We have all night. Okay, good. <laughs> the, the basics here is really helping kids go through healthy struggle. Healthy struggle. That's the point of our book, Value Creation Kid. The Which healthy, I am in the middle of reading right now. It's great. The healthy struggles your children need to succeed. I think, you know, a lot of times parents just jump in. They bring them the homework. They fight the teacher for a better grade. They fight the coach for more yeah. playing time. I had a friend growing up. They got the driver's ed teacher fired because her daughter failed the test. Oh, geez. Yeah. We just, we jump in left and right. And when you mix that with just unknowingly spoiling and entitling and paying for everything for your kids, yeah. that's kind of the issue. And then you give them the phone and then they're off to instant gratification land. Yep. And you have Amazon Prime. All they do is they see you swipe a card and they don't yep. see anything else. Uh -huh. So, you know, for us, I think a healthy struggle is not trauma. It's not tough love. It's not abuse or neglect. A healthy struggle is, is something that allows a kid to overcome something small or great that gives them capabilities and confidence to succeed and then create value for other people around them. So any academic or athlete understands this. Like you're going through healthy challenges and obstacles that when you overcome them, you have capabilities and skills for the rest of your life and you have deep confidence. Like it's, this is not pat your kid on the back, you're awesome, you're smart, you're pretty. That's not deep confidence. They get confidence by having like a stack of things that they've overcome and yeah. done in their childhood that lifts them up and, and gives them capabilities for life. That's really the goal here. So 
With our kids, you know, they pay for their stuff. We give them gigs, right? This is part of our home economy system in Gravy Stack, but they have gigs that they're able to do at all times to earn extra funds, things that Amy and I would have done, sweeping garage, making a meal, cleaning a bathroom, yard work. And then we give them brain gigs, which is like a podcast or a book or a PragerU or a TED talk mm, or an article, yeah, Genius. no sugar for a week, fun challenges that give them great skills and confidence, but also gives them a few extra bucks to cover their own expenses after they've saved and shared. All that's automated in Gravy Stack. So our kids are learning delayed gratification. They're learning budgeting. They're learning the price of goods. They're learning trade-offs. They're learning goal setting and planning ahead all with that one move. Yeah. So for us, that's really just a powerful way to help your kids not just learn money skills, but learn delayed gratification. That's super cool, man. Yeah, and how, how is that different than an allowance? Oh, dude. Earlier, no allowances. Allowance is socialism. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm about to piss off everybody. All right. Here we go. We are so anti-allowance. It's not even funny. So allowance just got linked through Jumpstart and Nefi, two of the groups that we advise. They're the national standard boards for schools. It just got linked to a lack of motivation and an aversion to work within kids. Mm. So when you give allowance, there's three problems. First one, it's basically codependency. You're giving your kids free money every week. Okay. That is basically socialism. And they do not need to learn how to spend your money. That doesn't teach them anything about yeah. finances. You can't just give your kid like 10 bucks to put in the plate at church. That's not teaching them generosity. Yeah. You can't just give them an allowance and then go spend on stuff. That doesn't teach them like how important and how hard it can be to earn. And then the pinch of spending their own hard earned money. That's what you have to do. So that's the first problem with allowance. The second problem is Parents are like, well, I give, I do chores. They do chores, they get allowance, right? I think that's what you were talking about over here, Alex. Yeah. So the problem with chores lists is half those chores you should never pay for. Yeah. Make your bed, clean your room, dishes and trash, do your homework, be a good human. Like <laughs> that's just part of our role in the family. Yeah. You don't pay for that. We call those expectations. And the other half of chores, which is usually a limited list, you should pay one off so that they learn that the individual value they're creating from those things has a reward to it. And if you do it that way, they'll have unlimited amounts of things they can do to help out around the house. See, most parents, they stop at like three or four things. You do your chores, do your chores. Yeah. And there's fight, there's conflict. They still give them an allowance anyway. And so for us, we really wanna have them have an unlimited amount of ways to make a few extra bucks in the home, whether it's action gigs or brain gigs, like I mentioned. But then the worst is when parents don't do anything. They just say, my kids do all the chores like they're told. They're the good kids. Well, now you have compliant children, but they're learning nothing about money. And so the bank of mom and dad's gonna be open for decades and you're paying for everything as the parent. So for us, you have to mix like financial skills, like earning and saving and spending and sharing and investing when they're in your home or else they're gonna make really expensive mistakes or be just pressed under the bad kinds of debt, right? Because there's two sides of debt. There's appreciating and depreciating debt that we teach kids. I'll tell you about that fight in a minute that I had with yeah. Ramsey and Cardone and everybody. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. But it's important for parents to understand, like you've got to teach the money skills at home and you can teach them so many other things by doing it. All the capabilities, all the confidence, all the delayed gratification by going through these healthy struggles in your home. So most parents, First generation wealth parents, this is what happens, okay? Maybe you were this way. They start making money, they cover their bills, they got their own investments, they got a 401k, they're making it, right? 
and they came from nothing, start at the bottom, here we are. The number one thing they do with kids is they say, I wanna give them all the stuff I never had. Yep, yep. I want them to have all the opportunities I never had. I don't want them to have to deal with anything I had to deal with. Well, what made you you, for starters? The struggle, yeah. The struggle. Now you don't pass on trauma, but kids need to be able to go through like healthy challenges yeah. to thrive and grow and succeed. I mean, if your kids, if you're doing a bunch of stuff for your kids in the morning before school, what are you doing? Like kids are able to get up, brush their teeth, get dressed, make their bed, clean their room, make their lunch, get their breakfast, like get ready for school, make yeah. sure that their homework is in there and ready to go. Like that's how you're teaching kids to be prepared for the world, right? So many parents get exhausted. Yeah. They're miserable. They're just like, they're up until 10 o'clock every night. Doing their kids' homework. <laughs> homework, dishes, yeah. trash, cleaning up after their kids, yep. preparing the next stuff for the day, making tomorrow's lunches. They're just doing so many things. Yeah. And the kids can be doing all those things to be an absolute help and blessing in the home. How do you do that with kids? Like, you know, you and I both have a three-year-old, mm -hmm. you know, three-year-old can't even open the fridge yet. I mean, he's a little dude. So like, how do you, how do you give them the appropriate amount of stuff? Obviously the, I, I have a seven-year-old, you have a seven-year-old, right? Yeah. So Rosie can take care of her own stuff yeah. while they're not so much. I mean, he's, well, yeah. How do you do that? Well, there's a, a great piece of advice I got from one of my mentors, unbelievable family. They own like a hundred Burger Kings in mm -hmm. Phoenix. This guy's name is Tom Barnett, Tom in Georgia. And he has the world record flyovers in Vietnam. Really? 250 flyovers getting shot at by missiles Dang. the size of a telephone pole. So this guy's an unbelievable, he has zero fear. He's also a diehard skier. We ski together in Vail every year. He told me one time, he's like, treat your kids two years older than they are at all times. Mm. Give them more responsibility and they will rise to the challenge. That's great. That is, un I've done it now. So like Reagan's, she's starting to do laundry at seven. Yeah. She's chopping food. Like, my three-year-old Owen, he can help with his room. He's cleaning up toys. He's getting himself ready for bed. And we're spot checking his teeth. Like yep. we're just giving them more responsibility. A 13-year-old can start driving stuff yeah. safely off roads, but why not have your kids start to do these things? Like you're going to be doing them until they do them on their own. Why not go through a couple cycles of just teaching them, right? So many parents, they just delay this stuff and their kids are busy in school. They're busy in sports. They're busy in extracurriculars. So the parent's like, well, I got to cover everything else. Well, as soon as you pass those things off to the kids, they're doing them forever. And it's an, actually an unbelievable way to be in the home, right? Like, I love it when my kids just handle things for us. But with a three to five-year-old, we have something called the quarter system, okay? So the quarter system is a great way for little kids to start to understand some of the money concepts, but also enforcing the right behavior, reinforcement. So instead of like what most parents do, which is like discipline and punishment, and they feel like they're going through the same exhaustion cycles whenever the kid has an issue, the quarter system is brilliant. So what you do is you start with like a roll of quarters and they have their save, spend and share little jars. And every time that they're doing something that's like a great behavior or helping mom around the house, helping with a meal, helping clean things up after the meal, helping get ready for like a nap or bedtime, picking up toys, there's a quarter reward. And that quarter can be put into save, spend, or share. And every time they put into the save bucket, you just double it. So you just teach them like, we're gonna match everything you save. That's cool. It's a really fun lesson for them. And then every time they get 10 quarters, there's a reward. Because if they, they won't know what the quarter does yeah. unless there's a reward attached. So that could be like a fun treat, a fun outing, a show, something fun that you can do with them. Now they're excited about the quarter system. 
And then this really helps for disciplinary action. So instead of what a lot of parents do, which is like go in their room or like a discipline or a timeout or they lose things, you just say, hey buddy, I'm, I'm so sorry you acted that way. You gotta go grab me a quarter. Mm. And they're like, and they have to literally physically go grab a quarter out of the spend jar yep. and bring it back to you. And in that process, it keeps you as a parent, as a level head, you're not jumping into like a spanking or all these other things. And it really helps the kid reinforce how to have best behavior next time. Like one or two of those moves with go grab me a quarter, they're immediately gonna learn how to act differently the next time. Yeah, because they're losing something. Because they're losing something. Yeah, that's powerful, man. All right, you mentioned Ramsey, Cardone, debt. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, so Gravy Stack is the world's best way to teach your kids about money, okay? It's a, this whole home economy system with a real bank account with your kids where you start doing expectations in the home, expenses that you give your kids to pay for, toys, trinkets, tech, social outings with friends, birthday presents for their parties, right? Mm -hmm. Have your kids pay for those things, by the way. Yeah. How many times did we wrap and buy and the kid chucks it on the table? Yep. Well, what if they made the 10, 15 bucks? Yeah. You help them wrap it. Now they're gonna go to that party, walk up to the kid and say, open this, I wanna see your face. Mm. That's a generous kid for life, yeah. right? So giving them expenses is critical. And then you give them gigs, things around the house to do. And not just action gigs, but brain gigs. Brain gigs are like the podcast, the books, the fun stuff to give them a few extra bucks. And now grandparents are giving gigs, aunts and uncles are giving gigs. It's a brilliant way to teach them. So that's Gravy Stack, right? But there's also a ton of other challenges and games inside of Gravy Stack. So we're teaching kids like how to cancel subscriptions that mom and dad don't want. Mm. They're saving mom and dad on average like 550 bucks in that one <laughs> game. Awesome. Coupons for the grocery store. The kids are getting coupons. They're like looking them up online. They're cutting them out of the mail packs. Like they're saving 26% per grocery run right now wow. for mom and dad. And mom and dad are splitting the profits. Yep. They're going to garage sales, flipping assets. They're learning asset. That's our second stage of earning that we teach kids. They're um, doing eat in versus eat out challenges where they make the meal at home instead of going out to eat. Because a lot of young kids, teenagers, they ask mom and dad to go out all the time. Yeah, constantly. So the average family has found they save 70% if they make the same meal at home versus going out. And when the kids see that and realize that, or maybe get a bonus for that, first time, not every time, yeah, yeah. it's a win. So a ton of these fun challenges, we gamified the whole thing in the app. What we have, we teach real estate, we teach taxes and insurance and investing in there. All of it is part of the real banking. And then we have the borrow. We teach them borrowing. Hmm. And here's why I had this big problem with Cardone and Ramsey. I can't believe I'm saying this on air. Okay. <laughs> so we had this level. Ramsey doesn't like me anyway, so it's all Okay. Right. <laughs> well, we had this level, it's called Borrow, and yeah. we're building it all now. It's more and more games going to the app every week, okay? We take a middle approach. So we say credit card debt, bad. High interest loan debt, bad. Even cars, bad, mm -hmm. because it's a depreciating asset. Yep. Even student loans, we, we can probably talk for that next, but. <laughs> yeah. If, you th if you're gonna go to college and get a $100,000 debt loan to go get a degree that makes you $40,000 a year, you're insane. Agreed. We need to have that conversation with parents because so many parents, they believe that the mark of their identity as a good parent is to make sure their kids to get a college. college. Yep. College education, because that's my number one parents, goal. Because for that was for them. That's right. And, and it made way more sense back then than Yeah, when today. college was 10 grand or yes, less. exactly, yeah. <laughs> now it's like outpaced inflation yeah. times five. It's crazy. So anyway, we say depreciating debt is bad. Yep. High interest or things that are going to depreciate. 
appreciating debt is something you should definitely consider once you're financially competent. Yep. Okay. If you don't have an emergency fund, if you don't know what interest even means, if you haven't gone through the basics yeah. of earn, save, spend, share, invest, and protection, right? You should be careful, okay? But debt can be an incredible asset to leverage. Any home, a good real estate deal, anything that's, uh, you know, if you're loaning out something with collateral and you're getting return, even business, buying businesses on debt that are, you know how you're gonna get that back and you have a high degree of certainty that you'll yeah. get that back. Those are good to look at. Yeah. But so many people, you know, on the Ramsey camp. Yeah, they don't like that. They don't like that. All they think bad debt. all debt's bad debt, it's all sin. It, yeah. And that was our issue because both Cardone and, and Ramsey both love what we're doing. They yeah. want to be big partners, big promoters. Yeah. And so everyone in Ramsey's camp was like, oh my goodness, Gravy Stack, it's gonna yeah. teach the next generation. But and then, no debt. But we don't do debt, yep. debt's evil. And then Cardone, opposite side, mm -hmm. and I love Cardone, I don't have anything bad to say, but they are full debt. Yeah. They're like, if you have cash in your account, you're an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like leverage, leverage, leverage. This yeah. is how you grow. And I'm saying like, we're in the middle guys. Like, yeah. I get it. Like debt's a good thing if you're growing assets. However, we're trying to teach 10 year olds and 15 year olds the basics first. Yeah. I don't want a kid who doesn't understand their basic expenses to live or basic principles of investing to then go out and just like leverage to the hilt. I think that's a lot of what this social media climate is causing. You have kids that are watching their favorite influencers yep. with a Lambo and a jet and like the brand new Rolex and all the nicest clothes and a mansion that they rented on a credit card or yes. went into debt to get to look cool. Yep. I believe that rich is loud and wealth is quiet. I really do believe that. And I'm not saying that people that have those are all bad. Sure. Okay, I have nice things too. But I'm saying- Do you have a jet yet? <laughs> Me no, neither. Not yet. Me neither. <laughs> uh, I've ridden in them. I love them. <laughs> they're, they're nice. If the time value of my money makes yeah. sense soon, yeah, we will. Yeah. But it'll be an investment for other reasons, yeah. for family buying time back. Yeah, agreed. So I really want to be careful on this because kids think that, oh, my image is more important. That's why I got to leverage, leverage, leverage. No, you have to get the basics first. So we take this middle ground. And there was a huge fight. That's funny. It was like, they're like, oh, if he's a part, we're out. And they're like, oh, if he's a part, we're out. And I finally was like, okay, forget this. Like, yeah. you guys need to come on our Smart Money Parenting Show and debate. Yeah. And we'll talk about how do you teach a 10-year-old debt? Yeah. I, and we have yet to have it because one of the camps, I won't say who, said no. <laughs> we tried for 10 years to get Dave Ramsey on the Bigger Podcast podcast. I mean, it's a big podcast. We're huge and... Uh, refuse because he said if you mention that like their camp said yeah if you talk about debt period ever yep we will not engage exactly like, i was like, we're like i'm like come tell people your side of the story like yeah. maybe you're right and i've got a third of a million people will listen to you yeah and you tell them why debt's bad and i won't even argue you like just give me your nope yet, yet he has one of the largest radio shows in the I world it's massive yeah i'm like you can debate man yeah let's go like we got to have these conversations have the conversations because what, what i'm seeing now is everybody on the entrepreneurship side that are growing wealth are just like blacklisting him. Yep. And I don't like that because I do actually love a lot of what Dave says. Yeah. Like he's right. If you have credit cards, if you yep. just use credit cards, you're going to spend 30% more without thinking about it. Yep. He's right. But do you cut up all your debit card or your credit cards and just have cash envelopes, which my in-laws do? Yeah. Do you do that? 
that might be smart for certain people. I had to do it when I was 22 to get out of debt. Yeah. I had some serious problems with spending, took care of it in six months, and then I went back to normal. And he will always have a huge audience of people yeah. that are in debt. Yeah. And uh, that's the problem is we're just saddled in debt. We make a bunch of bad decisions right out the gates, and then you need Ramsey to get you yeah. out of it. I mean, I get it. But then what? Then what? Well, Dave Ramsey reminds me of like, a, think of a football team that only invests in like the defensive, like their defense. That's it. That's, they don't care about their quarterback at all. They don't care about a, nothing. All they care about is <laughs> if, if somebody never crosses the line, like we can just stop them, we will automatically not lose. They won't win. It'll just end zero, zero because yeah. if we never do it. And then Cardone's on the other side is like, we don't even need DJ defense. We need like 14 wide receivers yes. and one we quarterback. We Hail Mary. Yeah, just every play is a Hail Mary all the way down and we will automatically win. Like they'll score touchdowns too, but who cares? Yeah. It's just, it's severe offense and severe yeah. defense, but teams don't win that way. Like no. You, you, you win by being balanced right. and having a good defense and a good offense. Well, and I think what the issue is, is that there's riches in the niches. Yeah. Like I think people make money when they know they can polarize. Yeah. You're, you get the clicks, you get the eyeballs, you get the money from it. It's the biggest problem you and I both have is that we're just normal people. <laughs> like, I'm just a dude. Yeah, you're just a, a dude that has like decent advice. Like, hey, you kids should learn about real. But if you're like, I think all kids should, you know, get a thousand dollars a month for an allowance because that will make them socialist and socialism is the future. Yeah. You'd get so many people to follow you. That'll, I'll get a million You'd views right away. You'd get a million right views right away. But is Maybe that you helpful? you just say that on, on video, viral videos. <laughs> Like, I think the most controversial thing I've said is allowance is socialism, yeah, which I mean, it is. Yeah. But I think other than that, like, I just, we're dealing with parents and their kids. Yeah. I know how to get the clickbait. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not going to go for it. Yeah. Don't want to play that game. No. All right, man. Let's go way back. I want to go back to your story a little bit. And we'll come yeah. back to Gravy Stack and some of the stuff you're doing. What different businesses have you run that kind of gave you the ability to do what you're doing today? Yeah. So the first business really uh, I started was called Apex Fun Run. Okay. It's now called Apex Leadership Co. Mm -hmm. And it's a school fundraising franchise. Mm. So we're the preeminent school fundraising franchise in America now. Started about 13, 14 years ago. My wife, Amy, she was a first grade teacher. So she spent her whole paycheck on her students. And I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> you make 38 grand a year. You just yeah. blew a whole paycheck. We don't, what are you doing? She's like, we all do that. That's what teachers do. Yeah, They're all saints. I have utmost respect for every teacher. I wish we could help them make more money, be financially competent, and also not be $20 trillion in debt yeah. in our government. It's a hard quandrum to fix. Yeah. But I said, that ends here. So we started Apex. We did fun runs at the school. Big fun run. It's a two-week program where we go into the school with a team of people, athletes, young, right out of college. They teach character traits leadership, fitness to the kids. They teach generosity to the kids and they help them raise money for the big fun run. And then all the parents come, we have blow up tunnels and tents and sound systems. And then they raise like 50 grand in like one day. Wow. Super fun. It was three times more powerful than any other fundraiser the school ever did for her school. And it just exploded from there. Every other school wanted in. We grew from like, I think we had five employees the first year to 70 the next year. Wow. And then hundreds. We had 600 employees last year. Incredible company. It's still, you know, we just sold the business about a year and a half ago mm. to the largest franchise system in America, Neighborly, Dwyer Group. But it's still growing like a weed and schools love it. And they rebook every year because it just covers all their bills, like all the teacher aids and the technology and the supplies. So that was the first 
company. Yeah. What was your role in that? I mean, were you the founder of that yeah. or like, yeah, it was, was just your, your idea and you were like, Hey, I'm going to build this thing. And yep. do you take private equity at all? Or you raise money from venture capital or just you started with the, uh, the last 10 grand in my bank account, Wow. blew it on finger rockets and flying monkeys. <laughs> and here we are today. And here we are today. Yeah. We turned into, it was, it was doing about, uh, I think 50 million in fundraising a year. Yeah. And it was a great business. That's great. And still is a great business and it's bar none, the best program for schools. Yeah. And it's hassle-free. It's all students included. You're not selling crap, yeah. chocolates and magazines and all these things. And those people take all the money, by the way. Yeah. Like you, you buy Girl Scout cookies, yeah. they get a dollar of the six. Wow. Okay. So we give the majority of it, like most of it back. And so incredible company, but here's what I, I mean, and so many lessons learned in franchising and tech and team leadership and development. But here's the biggest thing I saw. Kids aren't learning money in school at all. So that's why we started going down this path. Mm. They're not learning critical thinking, practical skills, money skills. You can't homework it. That was what we already talked about. You can't homework this stuff. You gotta do it in the real world to learn it. And so we started basically doing business fairs. That was our first thing. It was about 10 years ago. I started with Jeff Sandifer. He did the first one in Texas with the Acton Academy. Yeah, that's Acton, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and I went to Acton. Okay. That's where I went after Whitworth. Oh. I was an Acton MBA in 2008. So he started them right when I was there and I was there at the first one. And so we helped expand it. I did. Yeah, can you explain for those who don't know what the business fair is? Like, what is that? Super yeah, cool. childrensbusinessfair.com. Anybody can launch them. We have 2000 of them happening every year all around the world now. Basically, any entrepreneur can sign up and they get their own little CRM on the website and kids sign up for the fair and you bring tables and chairs and tents for the kids on, at the local park on some Saturday from 10 to one. Tons of kids sign up, they love this. They bring their own products, soap, slime. I don't know. We had a girl sitting on a chair last year giving advice for $2, okay? <laughs> she was seven, That's awesome. like our daughter, yeah, our kids. Yeah. Just brilliant ideas, dog bones, little bubble makers, paper airplanes. I mean, just the most hilarious ideas I've ever seen but then they invite all their friends and family to be the customers. Yep. So then people come, you know, we our Phoenix one we do every year has 150 to 200 kids, thousand customers. Every kid sells out. Yeah. They make 300 bucks on average in three hours, but they're learning profit. Yep. They're learning salesmanship, right? We teach them how to pitch. They learn marketing. They learn, oh, there's way too many slimes. Next year, I'm not doing slime. I'm doing something else. Yeah. They learn bulk discounts. They're doing jelly in jars and they're given two for a little bit less, you know? They learn basically the economy, a micro economy, right? And this is so powerful for kids. Like the point here is this, if a kid makes something with their hands that solves a problem for somebody else or meets a want or need, and they get a, a return from it, they profit from it, it's a win-win and that kid gets confidence for the rest of their life. Like they are no fear for the future they're like pumped. Like, how else can I create value? Oh my gosh, I, I have the power to create value. Yeah. They're not gonna worry about a job. Mental health, out the window. I mean, like they're super pumped. Like now we're doing it 10 years. I'm getting emails every week from parents. They're like, hey, you don't know this, but like when we did the business fair six years ago, it set my kid on a course. They're on fire now. They're covering their own college. They got a six figure job, they're 20. Like these kids are light years ahead of their peers. That's awesome. So that was the first thing we did, the business fairs. And then COVID hits and we're like, we can't do any business fairs. We're all at home. So we started myfirstsale.com. Myfirstsale. Myfirstsale.com. Okay. And that's what led us into Gravy Stack, by the way. 
Okay, so my first sale was basically doing business fairs virtually. Mm. So kids would take their products and we taught them how to launch them like Etsy style or Shopify style or Amazon. So we had a little course, they go through it, they do their launch day, they sell out all their products online and ship them and they make like $800 in a day. It was brilliant. Tens of thousands of kids right away. And then we sold it to the Stand Up Foundation when we realized that Gravy Stack was the real answer. So then we moved into the banking for kids because we wanted them to be able to see the flow of their money. When they earn, they needed to go through their save and spend and share accounts and investing plugins and really like go into the full financial competency world. So that's now we have Gravy Stack. That's awesome. So tell me a little bit about Gravy Stack from a business standpoint. Are you guys, are you guys venture backed? Are you self-funded? Like what's the business look like? And it's you and you have a co-founder, I think. Yeah, Travis. And then we have about 80 investors now. Okay. We've raised about 12 million bucks wow. to build this. So it's like a real, this is like a real business. It's a big one. Yeah, this is yeah. Huge, we got yeah. 30 patents. We've got wow. millions and millions of lines of code to build this out, right? Because yeah. the, here's the thing. Kids learn in two ways, by having fun and through real life experience, trying and failing yeah. and trying again. Like fun makes it intrinsically motivating. You don't have to push them up a hill like a boulder. You just chase them down the hill. And then real life experience gives them practical skills for the rest of their life. This is why it's tough in school. Yeah. Like how does geometry help you with taxes? How does algebra help you with budgeting? You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're, we're just skipping these things. Yeah. And so Gravy Stack is basically all of that inside of a bank account. When the kids get their own debit card, they see the flow of money through their pipes, coins, literally virtual coins going That's into their cool. jars. If they spend in the debit card, to cover their own expenses, because parents give the kids expenses now, they see red bubbles come out. So they feel the pinch of spending. Whereas before you just see the parents just swipe, swipe. the card, right? Like, so that's the whole point of Gravy Stack. So it's right now it's seven bucks a month to start. Average kids saving mom and dad like 600 bucks in the first month through the challenges. <laughs> so the return is huge, yeah. right? And then after a few months, the kids are starting to do the gigs that they're doing inside the home for money yeah. out in the neighborhood. So now they're bringing in extra funds to the home and creating value elsewhere, bringing in extra funds. So the return is about 50 to 100x right away yeah. on that investment, yeah. And then how are you selling this? I mean, going on podcasts, obviously you're here today, like people will listen and will sign up. I'm gonna sign up. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard the full pitch before. You know, when we talked before, it was like just, you mentioned it and that was about it. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is amazing. We're just going on, we're doing webinars right now. We're okay. training families. We're doing audience webinars to teach them on family legacy, financial literacy. We're just about to start, because we've been in open beta yeah. all year. So we're just testing it out, beating it out. We got yep. thousands of families in there. We're about to do a ton of ad funnels. Yeah. So it'll be a lot of like, hey, stop spoiling your kids. Yeah. Teach them the seven money skills, and here's how they can make 500 bucks on a Saturday, yeah. right? Like that'll be our, our model. Right now we're starting to get a lot of referral though, like just yeah. parents telling their cousins and friends. And Yeah, there's a certain viral effect of, like, hey, aunt and grandma and uncle can now add a, you know, can now pay a few dollars if they do some task And like, do a gig. Yeah, and they, they just gig. add gigs. I love our brain gigs, man. Like, yeah. if you mix in brain gigs, like a podcast or a show or a book or an article, like our books, and you pay the kids a few bucks yeah. by saying two things they learned and one way they're gonna apply it to their life, mm. what a win, yeah. right? And that's part of all their gigs. Now it's all gamified. They love doing it all, yep. right? And now grandparents can jump in with stuff that they care about. Right, so that is a powerful conversation starter. I think what all this is set up to do is be a dinner table conversation piece. Yeah. Like I just had a dad, you know, there's thousands of gigs happening today in the app. There's a dad that gave his 13 year old son who had never wanted to listen to a podcast or read a book or any video. 
He said, all right, here's the deal. Here's five brain gigs today only, 35 bucks. Mm. If you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. listen to two podcasts I've wanted you to listen to, a TED talk and an article. And I want you to respond to all of them. This was two weeks ago. The kid had it done by three in the afternoon. Wow. With all the reports, everything done. And he said, every single dinner from that moment on has been unbelievable. Yeah. Conversations like the best conversations you could ever want to have with your kids. That's powerful, man. I've always said I would pay, and we're doing it now. We just started paying Rosie, my daughter, to read every book she reads. Like we give her a dollar, I think it is right now, but obviously I'm going to put it inside gravy stack because that's way easier. Right now, like she gets a dollar and like she doesn't, here's the interesting, she doesn't understand like, the importance of a dollar per se. Yep. And part of that's because we just buy stuff for her anyway. But like what happens is she'll get a dollar and she'll be super excited about it. She's very money focused. But then five minutes later, it's sitting on the floor. The dollar's just sitting there. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and then I'll take it and I'll put it back up in my like my cup yeah. or I'll put it, try to find her bank. And then it's like her bank's broken open on the floor and there's money. Out, and I'm like, she just doesn't actually get it yet. Right. And uh, I've had trouble trying to like communicate to her. I remember I've told the story in the podcast before, but I remember at one time my mom found that I was throwing away coins because I just I had pennies left over at the end of the day when I was like in sixth grade or whatever. I'd like just pennies and nickels and whatever, and I threw them in the garbage. And she cried. Like she took me, like she talked to me, and in the middle of the conversation, she cried. And uh she was so distraught that I didn't respect money. Hmm. And like, then she went and bought me a book on money. I don't I don't know if I ever read it, but it was like it was such a big deal. And I, I feel that same way now with Rosie. I'm like, how do I get you to respect money? So yeah. that's the the best yeah. way is give them expenses to yeah. cover. Yeah. And this is why we love it so much. Like you have your expect our three E's. It's this simple. Three E's. Expectations, expenses, extra pay. Mm. So with expectations, you're not paying for these things. Make your bed, clean your room, homework done first, dishes trash. You don't pay for that. Do you punish them if they don't? I mean, is there is there negative consequences? Yeah, they can't they can't cover any expenses that you're giving them. They can't so, get the toys and the okay, games. Okay, so they don't even get the other things. Yeah, they, they can't do lose. gigs until yeah. expectations are done. I love that. Right? Yep. And then the second one is expenses. This is where all parents mess up. They pay for everything. Yep. They think it's their duty. Yep. And then the kids learn nothing about money because they don't care about the earning yeah. unless they have expenses to cover. Yeah. So a kid with expenses has a motive to earn. So the ex- expenses are like toys, trinkets, games, tech. Every kid should make the, all the money for their first phone. Okay, and you're, the age at which you give it to them is your call. We say mid-teens, yeah. but, yeah. and they have to showcase that they're independent and have the right values yeah. and they're responsible enough. But if they buy that phone, it'll be in mint condition for five years, yeah. right? But you give them expenses, right? Even sports equipment. Like, hey, if you want the Air Jordans, they're on you. Yeah. Like, we'll get you the Reeboks, but like, whatever. Uh, birthday presents for friends. I just had a family give, made their kid pay for their cavity. Mm. <laughs> and ever since the kid paid the couple hundred bucks for the cavity, yeah. he has been brushing, brushing his teeth and flossing yeah. three times a day, Yeah. right? So it's really smart when you do that because now parents save hundreds of dollars a month that you can now pay your kids in gigs. Yep. That's our third E, extra pay. And this is the problem again with chores. It's a small list because you're always having conflict around it and kids don't want to do it. It's always yeah. a fight. With these gigs, it's a never ending list of awesome things they can do to make extra money to now cover their expenses. They wanna get that toy. They wanna get that game. They wanna get those clothes. They have a birthday party coming up for friends. They got that social outing or that trip. Like Chad Willardson, my co-host, he made his daughter make the $4,000 as a 16 year old to go on her mission trip. Yeah. So she's like, how am I gonna make four grand? I only got four months. He's like, let's figure it out together. So she started doing basketball coaching mm. and training kids for like 30 bucks a lesson and made five grand <laughs> in four months. I love it. Right? And now she's like full ride D1. She's, I mean, it's, this is the way to go. And so when kids start to 
now have responsibility and freedom and trust because that's what they all want, right? Because if you're if you're listening right now and you've got kids, you're just paying for everything. You're yeah. like, oh, my kid's never going to go with this. Yeah. Really? Give them expenses. And here's the conversation. Buddy, mom and dad want to give you more freedom, more trust, and more responsibility in this home. Do you want that? Yes. 100% of them say yes. Here's how we're going to do it. We want you to start being in charge of more of the things that you want to get. Your, your expenses that we've been covering, but now we think you have it. You can do this. And we're going to give you ways to earn the funds to do it. But not dollar for dollar, because you're going to save some and invest. You're going to share some. And what's left in your, sp your spend account, you're in charge of these expenses. And this is how we want to give you more. So you can make like five times as much as your allowance. But you're in charge of these things now. Now the kids are on fire. Yeah. Like almost 100% of the time now, the kids take it and run with it. So the average family in Gravy Stack is paying their kids $164 a month right now. It's 17x what the average family gives their kids in allowance. But the parents are reporting, my kid has never asked for money again. Yep. They're covering hundreds of dollars of expenses we were paying for. Yeah. So we're net positive. Yeah, yeah. They're never fighting over chores again. They're actually arguing over who gets to do gigs. And they're finding new ways to help us around the home that is a dream come true. That's awesome. Think about that as a parent. That's possible. And most parents don't even know that that's a thing. That's what I want for my family because it makes our parenting like a joy. It's like a, kids are not a liability. Like this is, this is the trick. I just saw an article in Forbes. Kids are $317,000 in expenses to raise from zero to 18. Kids are too expensive. They're a liability. Yeah. Don't have kids. Get your career set up first. Yep. Have less kids. We have an over, overpopulation problem. Which is a lie. Elon doesn't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think we're going from 8 billion back to 7. I agree, yeah. They say that we've, we've I think they said last year we, the, that we peaked. Uh, that yeah. There's a projection that the uh, world will never be larger than it was last year. Yep. Because it's now on a negative. And I think what that's going to do, the GDP. Yeah. Unless we get a ton of robots doing a ton of stuff to fill in the gaps. Yeah, and the, the thing with kids is this. Like, yeah, kids are hard. They are expensive. Fine, they cost money. But- it's so like life fulfilling, right? Like so yes. fulfilling to have a child and so fun and difficult and challenging and incredible. And yet people like that. I want to, you know, I want to travel whenever I want to, and I want to be able to sleep in and I want to, it's like, I get it. I miss sleeping in. Like, yeah. That was really nice back yeah. then, but I wouldn't trade this for anything. Yeah. Here, so here's what I like to say. Having kids is difficult in all the right ways. Mm. So just like getting eight hours of sleep is not easy. Yeah. You know, working out, not easy. Eating right, not easy. Having a kid makes you great in all the hard ways. It makes you exactly who you want to become yeah. by going through the right challenges. Yeah. And they're a blessing, man. They're that's, such a blessing. It's it so is. fun. It's, like, yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> it's so fun. And the challenge thing, I love that you said that. You know, like Alex Hormozzi has this great line. I've seen it on a bunch of videos that said, if you were trying to make like the perfect human, like, would you just make, give them everything easy and, and simple? Like if you were God, you're just making it. No, you'd put them through challenges the, the whole entire life. And so we say that as entrepreneurs all the time. Entrepreneurs are especially fond of saying things like, yeah, do hard things, right. work hard, except for when it comes to kids. And they're like, no, I want to take the easy way out. Yeah. Right? I'd rather not have that challenge. But the challenge is what makes you a better human for the next half of your life. That's exactly like your right. Your kids are gone by 50. You're living till 100. You have a, pro like my argument would be you have a better 50 to 100. You have better character and a better life. Because Absolutely. 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 I mean, this is another thing too. Parents outsource parenting Yeah, in droves. Yep. Like I'll tell you this quick story. A buddy of mine 
told me the story of his best friend that just called him with three adult kids, okay? And he called him in tears. And three adult kids out of college now, one of them completely turned their back on the family faith. The other one completely is making all the wrong mistakes, like just yeah. going against the values of the family. And the third one knows nothing about money. They're wildly in debt and they're just blowing their whole paycheck. And the dad that called him was in tears. He's like, I don't know what I did wrong. We were in the best schools. Yeah. I, I, we were at church every Sunday. We made them go. Yeah. We were in, we, I got them in the best camps, best everything, yeah. best sports teams, all of it. And my buddy just goes, hey, did you ever crack open a Bible at dinner and just like read a verse and say, here's what it means to me? What do you guys think? Did you ever like bring your kids with you to work? Did you ever explain an investment to them? Like, did you ever walk them through what you guys are doing with your money? No, that's what school's for. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was in tears and he goes, yeah. no one ever taught me that. Yeah. So we are outsourcing our parenting yep. in droves. And, and I get it because the whole like who not how model yeah. is you outsource your business. Yep. Look, I, four hour work week. Yep. I can do all these things because I don't do anything. Yep. Right. The self-managing company. I love that. I'm a Dan Sullivan fan yeah. with Strategic Coach. Yep. The self-multiplying company is the holy grail of business. You can't do that with parenting. Yeah. Like that's the only one of the only things you can't outsource. Yeah. Just like you can't outsource your fitness, yep. right? Or your eating habits. Like, I keep trying, but I'm not getting any better looking though. Alex keeps working out really hard for me, but keep going, Alex. <laughs> you're paying him to do your workouts yes, for you? Exactly. I pay Alex to do my workouts. It's, it's his gigs. Yeah, I'm it's getting not great shape. You're getting a great shape. I'm, you said it would work, man, but it's not working. I don't know. I'm gonna have to start going to the gym one of these days. All right. Uh <laughs> All right, let me talk. Let me ask you another question. Get more like uh, on the personal and spiritual side. Yeah. How do you like? Do you fear? Maybe fear is the wrong word. Your kids growing up not following the family faith. I mean, like, mm. what are you doing? I mean, I know reading the Bible at dinner. Like, what else are you doing? How do you ensure? And you can't ensure it, but how do you ensure that they grow up the way you want them to grow up? Yeah, this is. I'm obsessed on this one. Mm. I want my kids to blow by me in every way. There's so much to unpack here, but I think the first thing I would say is kids are, you know, this whole idea of nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. There's a huge argument. Is it nature? They just, they're built in this way and they're always gonna be this way and you can't change anything. Or nurture, they are who you, you know. I actually think that we should be nurturing their nature. That's how I combine them. So, you know, you have multiple kids. They're wildly different. Yep. Same home, same parents wildly different and every kid has unique abilities and god-given gifts and talents it's our goal to nurture their nature so really like build them up and call those things out and like help them hone those skills and those values right but i think when it comes to faith obviously pray for your kids mm -hmm. every day like i've been praying for my kids every day since i was young decades before i even had them yeah I found out that my grandparents were praying for me decades before I was even born every day. Mm. When we pray with our kids at night, we don't just pray for them, we pray for their future spouse with yeah. them. Yeah, I do that too. Like we, we call forth like who they're gonna become. We pray for their future. We pray for their life. We pray God fills their heart. And we pray that God brings them great friends. We pray that God like lifts them up and fills them with his spirit every day. And then I think it's all about just being authentic with our faith. like cracking open the Bible at the dinner table. Yeah. Like a lot of parents like, well, we go to church, but you never modeled in the home, Yeah. right? You have to really model it. You have to actually believe it. 
so many people are like, yeah, we're Sunday Christians, we're Christmas Christians, yep. or we have faith because we do X, Y, Z. You have to live it for it to be like getting to the kids, Yeah. right? And so I, I do think that there is a level at which kids, when they hit like 12, that adolescent or the early teenage years, they do want more of that autonomy and independence. And they also wanna figure things out on their own. And at that point, we call it the teenage hack. The best thing you can do when your kids hit that age is have a trusted third party that's a mentor or an advisor or somebody that really has a positive impact impact on their life to reinforce the things that you guys care about most. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know this, but like we had a youth leader when I was a teenager that I confided in and grew and he became a dear friend for the rest of his life. He just passed last year. Mm -hmm. He was having back channel conversations with my parents every week. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. But he it was probably the most formative person in my teenage years to who I am today. And your kids need that. They need not just other peers, right? Show me your closest five people, I'll show you your future. But they need trusted advisors. The people that influence them the most, they need to be trusted. Yeah. They need to be like, they're saying the things I've always been telling them and they're reinforcing them in a new light. I, I want my kids to come to me as teenagers and be like, dad, I just learned this, this, and this. This is unbelievable. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I've been telling you that for 10 years. Yeah, yeah, isn't that funny? And I'll just say, oh my goodness, tell me more. I wanna hear it. Like, tell me everything. I wanna learn it too. And so I think that's a really critical piece is like, you have to build in that environment around them that just reinforces. Yeah, on that note, this might be a you know hot take or uh, you know a strong opinion, but I'm a big believer that if my kid gets the wrong friend, like I will do anything to end that friendship. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I will move my family if, they, if I couldn't get them away from that friend. Because every good kid that I ever knew that became a bad kid and then a bad adult, it was always a friend that led them there. It was yeah. always the wrong friend. They got him into drugs, got him into alcohol, got him into girls, got whatever the thing is. It was, always a, it was always another dirtbag kid that brought him there. Yeah. And I was blessed to have like really good friends throughout middle school and high school. Not much middle school, mostly high school. Like really good, solid Christian friends because I was in a youth group. I had the same thing. My youth pastor, Troy, huge influence on me. Uh, ironically, he just moved out to Maui and his wife is now teaching our, like help, kind of helping our oh, that's homeschool awesome. co-op thing. Yeah, so they're like living with us. They're doing it all so over again. Yeah, they're doing it all over. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really actually great. Like they're now, now a huge influence on my kids just yep. like he was for me. But yeah, I just, I just think like we have to watch their friends yeah. like so closely. It's critical. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's this joke of like, I'm gonna be cleaning a shotgun when my daughter brings yeah, home yeah. her first boyfriend. Yeah. They're like, who asked her to the dance? Yeah. Like, I, I gotta share with you this study that just came out. Okay, they, they just did this study at, I think it was Harvard, a couple of the professors, they did an obesity study. And here's what they found. They studied like 50,000 people and their networks. It was a network networking study on obesity. They found that if a friend of yours becomes obese, you are 45% likely <laughs> yeah. to gain weight over the next two to four years. Yeah, I believe it, yeah. But then what happened was crazy. They said, if a friend of a friend that you don't even know becomes obese. You're at 20% likelihood. <laughs> and if the third layer, friend of a friend of a friend, it's still 10% that you will gain weight. Wow. And there was a networking study. And so what they found is that you're not just being influenced by those five friends, right? Or those advisors, the people that are closest yep. in your life, you're being influenced by their friends yeah. and then their friends. And so it really is more of a spider web than a one-to-one. -one. So when it comes to like the influences on our children's lives, we need to be really careful about the network of people 
that yeah. the strength of their marriage, the strength of their family, the strength of their like values and what they care about most. That's a critical piece. Like we don't do sleepovers yeah, at Same. all. Yep. I, I know the stats we're in, like, we know the stats on bad things. Yeah. Why take the risk? Yep. You know, like we really protect our kids from seeing bad influences because now and now every year, more and more kids, their influence is online. Yep. Not the, you know, the older sibling, which is still an issue. You go to a friend's house sure. and the older sibling pulls up something that yep. they should never have watched. That's where I saw my first pair of boobs. Yeah. <laughs> like that's where it comes to yep. the, the, the 12 year old birthday party. Yep. Like that's, that's you have is. to be vigilant about, against that. But more and more kids are turning to YouTube influencers, social media influencers, podcasts, yep. yeah. and they're hearing things without mom and dad ever even realizing. Yeah. They're listening to guys like, and I don't want to throw him under the bus because I'm sure he's a great dude and probably has wholesome things to say, but they're listening to people like Mr. Beast. And they're like, um, he's super funny. All the kids, five-year-olds are listening to him. But in a live stream for three hours at Mr. Beast is playing video games, how many things are said by the friends and the people playing the other the game, people, the other people, right. or Mr. Beast, I don't know, maybe, yeah, I don't know his character, but like things are being said that your five-year-old shouldn't be listening to. That's right. And seven-year-old and 10-year-old. And yet we all just let our kids watch, not all of us, but we let kids watch Mr. Beast videos right. and every other influencer online without knowing what's being said. I mean, my yeah. parents wouldn't let me watch the Chronicles of Narnia when I was a kid. Yeah. Might, there was a witch in it. Like, yeah. now I don't want to go that extreme, but like there's... Yeah. yeah, the the Simpsons came out. Yeah, yeah. And my parents were like, well, I guess the devil's on TV yeah, exactly. now. Yes, that's yeah. my parents too. Yeah. <laughs> Same exact thing. Yeah, yeah I Simpsons think, were... you know, and then you look at video games, you know, all yeah. the video games. I mean, there's, this is crazy. 60% of kids ages 14 under right now would prefer Roblox, Robux to real dollars. Mm. Just think about that for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> 14 and under. There's like, I don't even know how many, like 60 million kids play it. Yeah. 80 million kids play it now. And then a bunch of adults too. Yeah. And so there's a whole other category whole other. of problems and yeah. predatory issues. But they would prefer Robux to real dollars. They want to live in that fake world. Yeah. They care about that so much. Yeah. And then if you really study like trafficking and predatory stuff, it comes through social media and gaming. Yeah. So much of it, it's prevalent. And so they're on a Call of Duty or Fortnite with a bunch of other people chiming in there and saying all this crazy stuff. Yeah. That is an influence. All of that stuff is influencing your kids. So how do we as parents not shelter our kids from things like, for example, you can say, hey, you're not going to have social media because I don't want you to have it until you're 18. And then they get 18. And every kid I knew that had that growing up, like their parents- They went, went wild. They went wild, right? The so homeschool problem. Exactly. The homeschool. That's what it was. It's always a home- like, But new day homeschool is different than old day homeschool. 100% agree. Old day homeschool, all you knew is your parents. Yep. And then you were at best as good as how weird they were. 100%. And nowadays, weird, it's, yeah. <laughs> nowadays, it's way better. There's yeah. like a bunch of co-ops yeah, and yeah. you can meet great friends and like do extracurriculars and still play sports. And Yeah, my kids are homeschooled with nine other kids that are at their house. Right. Single day that's school yeah it's just better it's just school better school yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think this idea of guarding kids hearts you know i you can call it sheltering all you want to but for me i'm guarding their heart yeah and if it's my job to make sure that the doors are locked at night when we're going to bed yep why wouldn't i have that same mentality to their brain yep like it's our job yeah and so and then at some point you teach them how to lock the door and how to like right be vigilant that's right but not at five or seven or you know yeah. like there's ages. Yeah, I, I think the best, you know, we have our book, Value Creation yep. Kid. It is the best form of parenting. Forget gentle parenting or laissez-faire, they call it parenting, or free-range parenting or helicopter parent. Forget yep. all that stuff. Really what this is, is proactive. Mm. You're just being a proactive parent, not a reactive parent. Yep. 
You either plan or then these things will hit you and then you just have to play catch up. So with us, we want to make sure that we are having like a plan for these things. We're going to have a plan about how to talk to our kids about sex. We're going to talk to our kids about influences in their life, things they hear and see. We're going to talk to them about what does it mean that not everybody believes in God, right? What does it mean to like, for the body image issues that are out there, why are people having mental health problems? And we want to have these like Mm. healthy conversations with them early and often that can prepare them for the real world. Here's a question for you. I mean, related, but unrelated. My wife asked me this yesterday. She said, when do we start telling the kids about the concept of hell? Because mm. like, you know, I'm sure they hear the word, but when I look back to my, not religious trauma, that's too strong of a word, but my religious background. <laughs> trauma. Like, you know, hell, hell was such a scary proposition that I lie in, uh, in bed at night. And my wife said the same thing, just mm. freaked out about hell. And like, oh my gosh, what if I end up, what if I didn't do it right? What if I don't? And... It just created a maybe, maybe not, maybe more drama than it helped, uh, maybe more problems than it helped. When do you tell your kids? And how do you tell your kids about concepts like that? Yeah, that's a tough one. That is a tough I, one. I, can't, I never thought of it. Until I can't speak to every family on this issue, but mm-hmm. I do remember, like you know, the Jonathan Edwards, "You are a yeah. spider yeah. dangling from one spider web yeah. over a cauldron of fire." Yeah, yeah. Like religious trauma goes deep. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll just say this: I don't think people truly find the love of God through just being like scared Scared shitless. (laughs) Okay. That's just like, you're tricking them, Yep. you know? And that's, that's called cheap grace to me. Yeah. Faith Um, should not be an insurance policy. Right. And I don't want my kids growing up thinking that it is. Now, if a kid, if they are revealed to their level of sin, like, oh, I'm convicted because I've messed up and every single human that's ever existed has messed up and we need a savior. We need yeah, I get it. Like I've screwed up. I need to be forgiven. Yeah. And the only way to have that is believing in a God that came down to earth, gave his life for me to take yeah. my place and give me the forgiveness just by like laying my life at his feet. I want my kids to come to that realization yeah. without like just scaring the crap out of them. Yeah. I've saying, a, do this now or you're going yeah, to hell. Like, hell yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't know. I've had a couple of cases where, uh, and this is going to sound weird, but where Rosie has, it's, I think it happened twice ever. She's lied. And then we caught her in it and we didn't have to say anything. She just broke down and just crying and guilt and like pain. Yeah. And I loved that moment because it was like, I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done as a parent, but I love the fact that I was like this, like she needs to know mm. what, sin is or what like yeah. pain is and what lies are. And if, if she's just perfect all the time, like she doesn't ever notice that. And right. so she was able to experience what true guilt is. And then we could then talk about forgiveness yeah. from a, a one-to-one and from a God-to-one situation. And it like, it grew her as a person significantly. Now yeah. Wilder's doing it too. He doesn't, he doesn't care quite as much. He doesn't cry like she did, yeah. but he runs away and hides. And so again, it's like, how many times do we like run away and, and hide? run away and hide? Like, he'll right. go throw himself on the bed and just cover himself up when he does something wrong. Yeah. I, I think this is actually a really important piece on discipline. So many parents have reactive discipline. Yeah. They discipline out of anger. Yeah. It's like, you know, there's, whether it's like something physical or they send them away or the immediate timeout and there's like this, it's a separation. Yeah. We need to not separate a kid from us when there's a problem, right? It's important to probably send them to their room for a minute so you can calm down if you're frustrated. That's probably a really good idea. But when you when we come together, we were trained this from the Johnsons. It's such a brilliant idea. You go to the kid, you talk about why they're getting their punishment. 
and they tell you what they did mm. and they realize it. And then after the punishment, sometimes it's a timeout or they're losing something or the quarter, whatever it would be, they know to apologize because they really do feel like yeah. they messed up. And when they say, sorry, the immediate response is, buddy, God forgives us. So of course I forgive you. Big hug, big high five, because now you're not breaking the relationship, yeah. right? And then it's like, okay, what can we do now to make this right together? Now you two are able to go out, make recompense, make it right, clean something up, say sorry to a sibling, right? That actually binds kids to their parents mm -hmm. rather than what so, much, so many parents do, which is like just a separation, yeah. right? That's and then beautiful. the kids have bitterness, resentment, anger, or they just shy away. Like, yeah. So this, that's the way to really help because you don't want to lose the relationship. I that's love that. key. That's awesome. I just read a book called, uh, it's a Christian book called Habits of the Household. It's uh, just about like- It's a great book. Okay, you've read it. Yeah. yeah so, they, but he makes this point there. I loved it. He's like, every time my kids fight, at the end of it, after they apologize and forgiveness and the whole thing, he makes them hug it out until they laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> I love that concept because yes. it works every time. I've been doing it now with my kids. I'm like, yes. no, you, you hug. And they're like, I don't want to hug. I'm like, you hug until you laugh. Yeah. And they sit there and hug. They're like grumpy. And then one of them's trying to get away. And then they start giggling and then they, then everything's fine. And it, it totally worked. 90% of the time it works. I also heard that if, yeah. if, if you're, uh, you and your spouse or your partner are like fighting, yep. the way to work it out is to get on your knees and take off all your clothes. That works too. <laughs> and talk through it out. Was that in the book too? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who gave me that advice. I don't uh, know if I should give it. That's but a great idea. That's a Work for us. Yeah, you should write a book on this. <laughs> all right, man. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. A couple more segments in the show. First of all, what's your wife's name? Amy. What do you love about Amy? Amy has a such a pure heart it is unbelievable i married her because she is so selfless and pure like it's incredible like yes she's like driven she's very organized she's an unbelievable mom because she was a first grade teacher she's mm -hmm. like our home is full of crafts and yep. brownies like it's the best <laughs> but i love my wife because she is so pure at heart mm. like it's it's incredible like the way that she just like organizes her mind the way she loves her friends, the way she loves my family, her parents, the respect she has for her father, like the way that she speaks about people, she doesn't say bad things to anybody behind their back. And like just her purity in all things, like physical, sexual purity, mental purity, she focuses on good. It's unbelievable, man. Mm. Like with, my, with our marriage, she's like, you know, this idea of, my job is to call out the good things in my husband and let God do the rest. Mm. She literally lives that. Yeah, It's amazing, man. So that's my favorite thing about her. I love it. And what about your kids? Uh, and you got four of them, so this could go a while. But yeah. rapid style, what do you love about each of your kids? Well, my oldest, uh, Reagan, she's now in second grade. She is an absolute like sweetheart. Like I, I know she's gonna be like a powerhouse. Like she's an incredible friend. She's such a sweet girl but she loves reading. She loves like piano. She's very arts. I, I just love it. Like she's learning all these songs around the house and she's become an amazing big sister to her little brothers. Uh, probably my favorite thing is when my kids will like speak to our seven month old Lincoln. Yeah. It's the best. I love it. Like the way they coo and their yeah. little kitty voice <laughs> and like they'll go get little toys and it's just so sweet to see. And then with, with my boys, uh, Sawyer and Owen, they're five and three, uh, they're just crazy, like wild, like jumping off of ceilings wild. <laughs> like Sawyer just jumped off a 15 foot cliff last weekend in the water. It was crazy. 
he's five. And I just, they're, they're just their spirit, their warrior spirit. They're just full of energy. They're no fear. I mean, they have healthy fear, but I just, I can see them just attacking the world. Yeah. And that's what I want. I mean, you want, my kids are competitive. My boys are competitive. They're strong-willed at times, but they're also like humble and loving and they, they're learning the fruits of the spirit. That's my favorite thing about them. I love awesome. it. And, and then my littlest, Owen. Well, the littlest is Lincoln. He's just yeah, a little yeah, baby. He's a cute ball of joy. <laughs> but Owen, my three-year-old, he's so pensive. Like he has, you know, we just got him glasses because he was always squinting. And we were like, is he doing that to be a joke? Because he's our comedian. Mm. He's just so funny. He is always just watching. He's so like thoughtful. So then when he speaks, you'll, you'll hear things. He's three years old. And then from the back seat, he'll say something that we said a week earlier. Mm. And I'm just like, whoa everything we say he's taking it in deep and i just love that about him so he's just a, i think he's going to be like a counselor or like a coach or a therapist like he's just such a wise kid it's awesome oh, amazing man it's only have a great family awesome family all right let's shift to the three two one pivot so these are three uh quick questions one is your three pivot books so books that change the direction of your life two pivot people so two people have changed your life and one pivot quote so let's start with the three books that have changed the direction of your life a lot of pivots. I know. All right. Three books that changed my life yep. other than the Bible. That's, other than, yeah, they can't do the Bible. That's my given. <laughs> that is the best parenting book, best business book, best marriage book. Yeah. It's a living, breathing book. It's the only one ever written. But that's why we can't use it because everyone would say it. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham. So good. One of the best books yeah. on business yeah. and mindset. BJ Fogg, Tiny Habits. Yep. BJ is a good friend. That book is so good for habit building. And then... I'd say probably rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. I mean, especially this is my world. Thinking about how do you teach these things to young people? Rich dad, poor dad has changed millions of people's mindsets. Yeah. Have you heard the story of how I got my wife to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No. Because I was like, you know, books change mindset, right? So I read it and I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to get in real estate. And I like, and she's like, eh, I'm like, I don't really get it. Like, I don't really get the money thing. And, and uh, I finally encouraged her by saying, I will read any book you want me to read if you read this one. And so she's like, any book? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, all right, Twilight series. <laughs> and so I read the whole Twilight series. And, <laughs> and she read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, she held her end of the bargain up. And then she got done with it. And she's like, oh, I get it. Like, I get it. And then she was on board from that moment forward. And I'm now Team Jacob. There you no, go. <laughs> I might be Team Edward. I don't know. They're both handsome and strong, whatever. <laughs> you're, you're more of a werewolf, dude. <laughs> Good. All right, yeah. I'll go with Team Jacob. All right, two people that have changed the direction of your life. I mean, I, I've had incredible mentors, but if I'm really gonna go to first principles, it was my mom and my dad. Mm. So when I got dropped off at college, my parents were both there and they gave me the two best pieces of wisdom I've ever got. My mom gave me a hug and she said, if it doesn't point to Jesus, what's the point? And then I can unpack that for days. Yeah. She, then she started crying, she got in the car. My dad walks up, shakes my hand, and in his hand is a $50 bill. And he goes, tip well. Mm. Gets, in his, gets in the car, they leave. I can unpack that for days. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's so much to unpack if you just think about those two things. Yeah. So yeah, those were also the Love two it. best pieces of advice I got. Yeah, that's so good. And what about a quote? Mm, man. It's a favorite quote or something you live by, you let your life by. I just said this quote okay. like last week at a workshop we did, because we do these workshops now for families at dinnertable.com. And everyone was like, you need to quote that. And it was this, 
you can't breathe life into others if you're always out of breath. Ooh. Oh. I just said it. Dude. Out of nowhere. That's so good. And they're like, yep. Yeah. Everyone started quoting it and posting <laughs> it as me. <laughs> you have a quote now, I man. I guess Look I have a quote. You. you have a quote. But yeah, you can't breathe. There's, there's a lot there, but you can't breathe life into others if you're always out of breath. Mm. You got to take care of yourself. You have to know where, how you get taken care of. And I think so many people, they fall off the business train, they fall off the family train, they fall off the health train, and they fall off the faith train if they are out of breath all the time. Yeah. Especially, I see that with moms a lot. Like moms will yep. work till they're out of to breath the bone. and then work to the bone and then work longer. And yep. they have a hard time taking time for themselves because it feels indulgent or it feels, yep. yeah. And, uh, that would be an encouragement to all the husbands and you know dads listening is like yes sometimes I don't think they force your wife to breathe but like yeah. you need to create opportunities give your wife a free yeah. day guys yeah exactly yeah I uh, you know being gone here for the for four or five days without my wife and she was actually I left the house the same time that one of our friends dropped off their three kids because it was their anniversary so they my wife was watching five kids and then I left and it was a hard couple of days for her so I had a buddy actually called me out on it he's like. Cause I told him I was leaving and she was going to be all by herself with these kids. And he goes, well, what are you doing to surprise her while you're gone? I was like, oh shoot, nothing. And he's like, well, what can you do? So we sat there and just like, it was such a good friend to ask that, you know, that's and a I'm great like, friend. Man. Yeah. I was like, all right. So I ended up getting a babysitter yep. uh, for today. I booked my wife a manicure, pedicure and massage at a local spa. And so today she sends me a picture of her in her robe. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I, it would have been better points if I would have thought of the idea, Yeah. but yeah. at least my buddy texted me about it and was like, and yeah. now the whole world knows now that it wasn't. No, it wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I have good friends. So yes, we'll put it that way. I don't think your wife cares who came up with yeah, the idea. Yeah, she, she just got, got a great she day. She got the break. Yeah, she got a little, just a breather. And she actually, I told her that it was coming because I need to make sure she had like the availability. So I told her it was coming a couple of days before, and uh, she said that that was probably the most important thing to help her get through. Like she said, it was a hard day. Five kids. She's oh, like, dude, crying all day. The kids missing their mom. So it was just temper tantrums yep. she's like all day i just kept going tomorrow i get to go to the spa yeah and like and it helped get through it so so many people are just running through life yeah, yeah. they're running they're gunning they're just and then it just passes them by yep like Oof. i i wish we could just take a moment and just look at our kids look at our spouse or partner like and just stop everything else get all the other thoughts out of your head and be like this is a snapshot for like click yeah i want to just enjoy this moment yeah we should do that every day because it goes crazy fast. I don't know if you know this, but 90% of all the time you're gonna get with your kids is from zero to 18. Wow. That's yeah. it. There's only 10% left from 18 for the rest of your life. Yeah, wild. And so many parents spend almost all that time like just running and gunning and exhausted, hoping th to God that they did it right, right? Yeah. Like it's like planting seeds. You don't know how you're gonna do for decades yeah. or how they come out. And so it's really important to like, get help, get the right training, get a break, or it's going to run you by. 100%. Next segment, past, present, future. We'll start with the past. What's your advice to your younger self? What would be your advice? No crypto. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Moving on. Right. No, yeah. no. I would say my younger self, it's going to be awesome. Mm. Hang in there. Enjoy it. Yeah. Cause I don't, I don't want to tell my younger self to just chill. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I want him to drive, yep. but I also want him to know it's going to be great. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. Cause I, I, I really do believe that God takes the hardest things in our life and turns them into the greatest blessings. That's how it works. 
So, and every time you're in the middle of it, you're like, this sucks. God, why is this happening? Yeah. And then right after or looking back, maybe years, yep. maybe days or weeks or months, you go, thank God, I would not change that for the world. Yeah. It reminds me of that song, the Garth Brooks song, Un Unanswered Prayers. Remember that one? It was a popular 90s song. Yeah. It was like, I thank God for unanswered prayers. Because he meets like his ex-girlfriend at a ball game. And yep. he's like, wow, I'm so glad God didn't answer that prayer. Yeah. Like, even though it was hard to go through. Yeah, I've always loved that song. Every, every single one of the biggest break, this is my, what I tell myself right now. Yeah. Because I'm in the middle of crazy. Yeah. Like we got all these businesses and all these team members and all this financial cash burn and yeah. all these fires. On the other side of all of the, of the pain is, has in my past has always been the biggest breakthroughs in my life. Every single of the biggest unlocks, whether it's financial, mental, spiritual, relational, our marriage, every huge unlock comes right on the other side of the biggest pain. Yeah. So, so and then, true. so what do we do if we're actually gonna think about this from an objective point of view? It's like, okay, Lord, don't, don't let yeah. me die, but bring yeah. it on. Yeah, bring it on, yeah, don't hold back. <laughs> hold me close to you while we do it. Yeah. Hold my family close while we do it, but yeah. bring it on. Yeah, beautiful. All right, what have you done in the last 12 months that's given you a better life? It could be a, a habit, an action, a change, hmm. a trip, just something that's improved your life in the past year. Besides having a baby. Yeah, well, we're in little kid time. Yeah. It's been crazy. <laughs> uh, I think the best thing is really a morning routine. Mm. You know, we have our buddy Hal, yep. the miracle morning. Yeah. But I didn't really take also that. Also alumni of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Hal's a man. He is I love man. him. But I think a lot of my mornings weren't done right. Yeah. I'll work late. Like I, kids go to bed. Amy even goes to bed. I'll just go for hours because I'm a night owl. Um, but I've really pushed hard on a great morning. So like start the day off right, quiet time, scripture, prayer, good workout, time with the kids. I usually have them come and work out with me. That's cool. What's your workout look like? Like a version of CrossFit aerobic okay. in the gym, in the garage. Okay. And my kids, when they wake up at seven, they can't leave their room till seven, but at seven, they, they come straight to the garage and they finish the workout with me, whatever we're doing. Cause they, I wanted to, we need to work out together. It's fun yeah. to do. Yeah. But having that really good routine, having the morning protein shake, I don't eat breakfast. I'm an intermittent faster. Yeah. That really just sets your day right. Yeah. I think, especially as a parent, these things compound over and over and over and they really can wreck you. So I also don't believe in that idea that if you don't have a dad bod, you don't love your kids. <laughs> I don't believe in that. Good. Some of the most ripped dads are the best dads I know. So there is something, uh, there is a strong connection there. I think it has to do with like whether discipline, discipline. hard work. Yeah. It's like, they do hard things and they yep. teach their families that they do hard things. That's right. Yeah. Beautiful. When you pass away someday, what do you want people to say about you? In other words, what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, that old Scott, he was what? Wild. Wild. <laughs> no. Uh, I, dude, I actually love that. Yeah. I I, think that might be a great, like he was wild. He was wild. That's he was, a great compliment. Like, I actually think that's yeah. it. I named I, my son Wilder and, and people are like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. You're going to make him wild. I'm like, good. I named Sawyer yeah. after Tom, Tom Sawyer. Sawyer. Yeah. I want him to have this like adventurous. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I think wild, wild yeah. in the way he loved others. Yeah. Wild in his like risks and the yeah. impact he made for a billion people. Yeah. Wild in his ideas. Yeah. And wild in how he cared for us. Yeah. I think only, only thing that matters at the end of your life is who you loved and who loved you. Mm. It's as simple as that. Let's wrap things up then. What are you excited about? What's coming up in your life, business or life or both? I have burned all of my boats. I am only helping families on financial literacy and family legacy. So, and purposefully, 
because I know myself. I can yeah. get into so many different businesses. Oh, yeah. Easy. I got 30 investments. I like squirrel, like everywhere I go. Yeah. Uh, and I'm getting inbounds to advise and go on boards and invest. So I've burned all the boats. I'm just doing gravy stack. And we want that to be 50 million families worldwide, financially competent, ready to succeed for kids. Amazing. You'll get there. And where do people find out more about you and gravy stack? Yeah, they can go to gravystack.com. We should give you a link yeah. in there for everyone. It's just, uh, if you type in like dinner 30, when you download the app, you get 30 days off oh, or nice. three, 30 days 30 free. free yeah. And then I'm Scott Donnell on all socials. Pretty simple. Perfect, man. I appreciate you. This was awesome. Love chatting with you and uh, I'm excited to hang out with you the next couple of days here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brendan Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, check out abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Abetterlife.com slash bestlife. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.